Hello, everybody, and welcome to season three of Speak Your Truth. This season, we're focusing more on every part of me, being an athlete, being black, being a woman, and being a part of the LGBTQ plus community. I'm so excited to have all of this season's guests on the show and really excited again to educate the audience on what mental health really is and how we can all contribute to the conversation. Thank you all for tuning in. Speak your truth. Today we have with us Jordan Calhoun. She's a business owner and a mother. She's a black woman, and that's all a part of what this season is about. I'm thankful to have her on the show and so ready for you guys and even myself to hear her story. Jordan, how are you doing today? I am great. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. I cannot complain. Thank you for being on the show. Are you ready for the first question? I am. All right. So who is Jordan Calhoun? Um, Jordan, 27, um, Trotwood, Ohio, born and raised, um, truth seeker, um, trying to be the best mom I can be to my new baby, um, have passion for traveling and helping people and mental health. And that's about it. I love it. I love it. How old is seven now? Seven will be four months on the 26th. That is so precious. Three and a half months. Brand new. Brand yes. spanking new. <laughs> yes. Man, what what has it been like so far? It's been um, a complete joy. It's I understand um, when mom says it's like no other feeling that you've ever had before. Um, it's it's literally the greatest feeling ever. Even when I'm whooped, exhausted, and beat down, um, I enjoy changing every single diaper. <laughs> I enjoy everything because he is at that point now where he is so interested in the whole world and trying to figure things out. So it's so much fun and a, a learning experience for he and I both. That's beautiful. Is it like <laughs> kind of sad at times seeing him grow so fast and like yes yeah i bet man <laughs> we just finished tummy time and it's like he's already trying to crawl and i'm like what happened to my baby that just wanted to lay on my chest all day Aww. and sleep 17 hours a day yeah that's it's bittersweet. So that is so precious man i um keep saying I want kids and every time I see somebody with one I'm like nah I can't even do that <laughs> not right now that's how I was at first but it's like honestly since having my own and you know like being responsible I, that was my biggest fear like I don't even you know like sometimes I forget to feed myself um how am I going to take care of a baby but it's kind of like those motherly instincts that people often talk about those really do kick in and it's kind of like it's, it's showtime you know it's For only real. up from here man I just love my personal time too much like to have to <laughs> tend to somebody outside of myself I got to tend to my wife and then a baby. Nah, I can't. Yeah. Nah. She already too much. I don't even, man. I don't know. That's, that's a beautiful though. And we, I mean, I, I talk down about it a lot. I'm not even going to lie because mm-hmm. I, like I said, I still am so selfish. And I realized that this morning um, because it's like basically my turn to do chores and this is my day to serve her. But it was like, uh-huh. damn, I'm so used to being served and her cooking for yeah. me and doing stuff. When I opened the fridge, I was like, fuck, what am I about to cook? How long is this going to take? I ain't got time. So just like, but that also makes me more grateful um, for her and appreciative of her. So I know that when we have kids, I have nothing to worry about because I got her. So even if I don't feel yeah. like it that day, because I know 
that's like really a thing. And that's something that um, I want to bring awareness to this season is like how mothers feel, women in general, but especially mothers, you have to do so much and you feel like you have to do so much all the time. Uh, And that's like, that's not a good feeling at all. And that causes, even though it's not a sport or uh, like a career, so to speak, it still causes some sort of performance anxiety because you feel like you always have to be the best mom, the best woman, the best uh, worker, co-worker, business owner, whatever it is. Yes. And that's what I've been learning this week. Um, Well, last week um, I did a summer camp for seven um, where we just did activities and I was intentional about developing um, his gross motor and fine motor skills. And what I realized at the end of the week is, you know, trying to be the best is not always that, but being the best mom that he needs in that moment mm-hmm. is really what matters. And if I'm not together, there's no way that I can keep him together. That's um, real. So honestly, getting that balance um, was everything to realize that I cannot do it all and I will not do it all. And thankfully I do have a partner and family who supports that, that, you know, sometimes it is okay to take a break. And just because you take a break, that does not make you less of a great mom. Exactly. It just means that you are, a greater mom because you realize that you are running on e essentially and you kind of need that you know refuel to kick back in the game at 27 how do you think learning that already is going to be like so transformative and just I don't even know just great in your life in the future because that's something that our parents are still learning or maybe haven't <laughs> mm-hmm. learned yet I I honestly think that is is great. I see my mom do it. Um, And realizing that my mom, when we were growing up, we had a village. Um, You know, aunts, cousins, aunties, uncles, everybody um, who looked out for you, grandparents. Excuse me. So realizing that um, the same village that I had growing up, I do still have that village. And, you know, I added more with my friends, um, you know, like cousins who are around my age, um, being able to call on them and knowing when I'm not okay um, and knowing that just because I'm not okay does not mean that I'm, you know, like less than or that I will be essentially judged. But um, having that team that cheers you on is is just the greatest thing ever. And I don't feel pressured at all. Like some days I just don't feel like I can do it. And, you know, I can call on Seven's grandmothers or great-grandmothers or, you know, like just his aunts, my best friends, um, and they're there, you know? So it's it's definitely uh, the best feeling ever to know that I don't have that pressure to try to be perfect. That's beautiful. Well, ask your family if they're adopting more people because (laughs) – I was raised, my wife was raised like that as well. And I was Uh raised the complete opposite. So we moved from Illinois to Ohio and it was just my parents, myself, and then my maternal grandparents. And Uh then they moved up to Toledo and it was just us here. We didn't see them that much. I was traveling, Uh playing basketball. My grandpa worked at GM, so he was at work all the time. So Uh I'm so used to it just being me or me and my parents. And now my brother, he was born when I was 13 or 14. So Mm -hmm. it's just us. Um, And then now her family isn't accepting of us or of me. So it's difficult to try to have that with them. So we're like, who is going to watch our kids? Like, we don't want a nanny. Um, Who are are we just going to be around? Where is our village, so to speak? So it's still, to me, beautiful because I've always been the type of person to... 
I guess you can say mingle and have a lot of different friends and groups of friends and stuff like that. So I don't mind building, like, like you said, having that family outside of family with friends. Um, right. And with her, just hopefully they'll at least accept their grandkid or their niece, nephew, whoever it is. Um, right. Eventually. But other than that, I mean, otherwise they, they'll get all the love from me. So they don't need that much. Right. More. But yeah, that's, I think that's beautiful though, to have that and so important because when you, like you said, when you don't have it all together, you need somebody to talk to, to lean on, um, right. to whatever it is and to not have that, that support. Um, it can be very detrimental to your mental health and, um, you'll try to take care of yourself by taking care of everybody else. Exactly. Yes. So what, what are you doing for your self care for all the other mothers out there? self-care what it looks like for me um taking a bath like for real <laughs> my aunt just gave she gifted me with this um coconut lime epsom salt Ooh. um so i take a bath every morning i'm getting up um and i'm walking um i alternate two to three miles every morning um at 6 30 right when seven is up his grandmother or his father um they'll keep them while I'm able to go out and walk. Um, I am back to, like, I just started painting again. Um, I love to paint. It's kind of like a stress reliever. So I'm able to put seven down for a nap, go out on the porch and just paint. Um, doing my hair. <laughs> I enjoy doing my hair and self-care. Um, and then, honestly, just running my business. Um, I know that sounds like, you you know, like you leave one <laughs> one avenue of work what it feels like work to go to another but um, running my business definitely is self-care because I'm able to be creative yes. and come up with different you know like marketing strategies and skills and things like that tell us about your business what it's called and and what it is Mooch Maquillage, um, independent beauty brand. We started in 2016 offering lipsticks, lip glosses, lip balms, and lip liners. Um, we kind of rebranded um, at the beginning of this summer, and we are down to like about 15 products, just offering products to make the everyday average mom essentially feel good about herself okay. um, without going out the house in a full beat um, face of makeup just a everyday brand I love that I remember when you came out with it and all the different colors and I was like damn too bad I don't wear lipstick yeah and I don't have nobody to buy it for but now I'll have to see if she like it otherwise I'll just get it in and just to support you yeah, um, I'll be you. saying, of course, I'll be saying I'm gonna make an OnlyFans account, so I might need it one day. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I might need it for real one day. <laughs> um, and speaking of t the 20 teens, I remember when you came to my game down at uh, at Auburn. Yep. And uh, man, that was that game. I missed literally every field goal, but made all my free throws. <laughs> it was ridiculous, man. But that man, was a good time. For real. So speaking of, why did you go to an HBCU and what was that experience like um, in comparison to being from Troutwood, Ohio? Um, I chose to attend an HBCU because I knew that um, I had wanted to at an early age. Um, just being around people where I was celebrated, not essentially tolerated, Um Wanting that, you know, like the Southern experience, I definitely wanted to get somewhere where it was hot. Um, growing up, um, you know, you have to take your kid to work day. And my aunt at the time, she was working at uh, Wilberforce University. And so, you know, she used to take me and my sister. 
Um, and just kind of like seeing the big kids that at the time, you know, I'm seven, eight years old, thinking that they're high school students, mm-hmm. not realizing, you know, like, oh, you're on an HBCU campus. Um, knowing that that experience was fun because you would see, you know, like all of these big, cool people like hanging out. Um, and then also some when I got a little older, um, I would go and visit my grandparents down in Georgia. So just kind of like having that warm, you know, like experience, they would take me up to Spelman and Clark Atlanta, just kind of like, oh, this is, you know, like what you could attend when you get older. Um, And then, uh, of course, like my friends, um, parents influenced me. Sean's parents are Tuskegee graduates. Um, So that kind of swayed me a little. Um, Being from Trotwood um, was really no different. Because I grew up in Trotwood, Madison City School Districts, um, where it was predominantly African-American, you know, it was kind of like the same thing. Like, I did not feel a culture shock going into, you know, like a new realm at the university. It was just kind of like, these are just older, you know, classmates. Yes. I remember, like, asking my parents one time, could I go there because there were black kids there. And yeah. being from West Carrollton, like, I think in, in preschool, I was the only black kid. In kindergarten, it was one other one. In first grade, I think I went back to being the only one or maybe one other one. And uh-huh. so, it like, I had a lot of identity issues going on. And uh, yeah. when I went to CJ, that was even a culture shock for me. Because really? it was like, yeah, because it was more than 10 black people in one place. Like, I ain't never experienced that before. Being, and it's so crazy because Trotwood is, what, 20 minutes away? Um, yep. And we're in Ohio. It's not like we're somewhere, you know, bigger than bigger or whatever. So it was right. definitely a culture shock. Whereas now, like, I have to be around my people. It bothered me to not be around them. Uh, and living right. in Chicago, too you see a mix of everybody, like a great, perfect mix of everybody. So coming back home and it's like now it's few and far between again. Like I try to be, I don't have no reason, no business being in Dayton, but I just go over there just to be over there sometimes. Yeah. You know, just to be <laughs> right. around my people again. Right. But um, that's the thing though. You mentioned traveling that I love about traveling so much is that you get to see so many different things because I really didn't like experience, um, I guess you can say homelessness and poverty, addiction and things like that until two years ago when I moved to Chicago and, Uh you know, seeing people on the street, seeing so many people on the streets, seeing kids on the street, hungry and homeless, uh, not being able to go to school or, you know, have friends or anything like that. Um, So many addicts. It's so sad. Now, when you go on Salem Avenue, though, it's the same way. It's so right. bad, and uh, yeah. that all ties into mental health and something that I want to be a part of changing, and the first step is doing this, is having a conversation about it. Uh, right. What do you think that we can do as people who are passionate about mental health, especially in our community? What do you think, uh, what are some steps that we can take to healing our community? Oh, so that is a great question. Um, because, you know, I am over the behavioral health department at a school, a high school in Cincinnati. Nice. Um, we see a lot of students, teenagers, you know, ranging from that 14 to 18 range who come in with issues. And, you know, it's kind of like my mom thinks I'm crazy. And, you know, like we understand it, but the families don't. So mm-hmm. the biggest thing is kind of like breaking that stigma. And I think what honestly helps the most is when you like, 
people like us are educated to know, like, you're not crazy, you Mm -hmm. know, like, it's okay to not be okay. Um, Being able to have those real and relatable conversations um, using, you know, like the vocabulary that is able, you know, like easily digestible. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's the most important thing Um, when you can say, you know, hey, you're not crazy. This is what you're feeling. You're feeling this because of this trauma. And, you know, like this trauma is linked to this act, you know, like when you can break it down like that to pinpoint exactly what it is um, where you don't give them essentially room to kind of challenge and question, like going back to your crazy, the stigma that's around it. Mm-hmm. Um, I also think that um, just being that support, you know, and not even it's sometimes the nonverbal, you know, like support um, showing up to somebody's house with flowers, cards, you know, like just those little kind gestures um, definitely can help and go a long way. But I think that the most important thing is talking about it. Yeah. Um, we cannot longer keep mental health taboo in the black community. We do have to talk about it. And we do have to provide those resources um, because that's the biggest thing. Why essentially peel off a scab if you have no surgical procedures to heal the, you know, like the wound. Um, so I think that that's the biggest thing, talking about it as well as providing those resources once you do talk about it as the follow-up. That's so real. And, I it sounds like we share the same opinion is that the stigma is caused by a lack of education. So right. what is mental health? What is mental illness? And like you said, right. it's that everybody thinks it's that somebody is crazy. The way that people write articles about uh, like I uh, I'll have to send it to you. It's an article about this um, former MLB and minor league baseball player, this black man, mm-hmm. and he's only 28 he was found behind a Florida airport um, and he got arrested because mm-hmm. he wouldn't leave. He was homeless. Of course, he, that's where he lives. So, um, right. But he has a history of mental health issues. And the way that they were writing the article, like as if it was his fault, if it was something that was so bad and he was just this horrible person. And mm-hmm. they wrote an article in People magazine about um, Kanye West and his bipolar and just, I mean, it makes me so mad and it honestly hurts me because I've dealt with that personally and my parents telling me I was crazy, I mean, up right. until like a month ago. Um, right. And it, it hurts because that's not the case. I know I have finally accepted I'm not crazy. I'm hurt. I'm angry. Um, there's right. bitterness. There's all sorts of things because of things that happened in my past, things that I've experienced. So like you said, just going back to the root of the problem, what caused this? Um, and then there are cases where some people just are, um, mentally ill and it's the same. It's not obviously the same in terms of uh, what it does to you, but it's like a physical illness, whether it's cancer, um, diabetes, I always say those two, but whatever you can think of physical illnesses, it's the same thing. So why aren't we studying it like we do those? So, um, that's what I hope to be a part of in changing. And I would definitely want to go back to school. I feel like that's the best way to, help add to the conversation at this point um Mm -hmm. after starting the podcast and stuff like that i need to do more um and my big focus is athletes because uh there's so many kids like one person i interviewed his name is isaiah lamb he grew up homeless and he was a student athlete he played basketball um he tore both his acls during high school and didn't you know couldn't afford the proper treatment and things like that 
so just sharing people's stories like that. Uh, there are people who aren't maybe homeless, but they, you know, have a hard time eating every day. Whereas right. then I was watching this football show with my uh, brother on Netflix and they basically, I don't know if they intentionally did it like this, but they basically showed the kids from the hood and the kids from the burbs. Just put it like that. And mm-hmm. it's such a different experience. You have these kids from the suburbs. They have swimming pools and all types of toys and electronics that we may never get to see. And then you got the black kids. They're, you know, sharing their stories and crying because they only have their mom in the house working two or three jobs and she has six mouths to feed. And those right. other kids don't experience that. So just bringing, you know, more awareness to that because then people wonder why when they get to the league, they spend all their money or they still act as if, you know, they, they're still in the hood, so to speak. So right. I think just trying to understand people versus assuming um, they're bad or they're crazy is, is another way um, to fix this. For sure. What... What led you to being an advocate for mental health? Um, so having my own personal issues, um, definitely for sure. I graduated from Tuskegee University with a bachelor's of science in um, psychology. So that definitely kind of reading about, you know, like mental disorders way back between 2010 and 2014, you know, like when it was still essentially like a stigma all over. Um, that definitely intrigued and piqued my interest. Um, but I would say for sure, going through my own um, personal things and knowing that there were people like me who did not necessarily or was not necessarily exposed to, you know, kind of like this is what and this is why and this is how you can, you know, like kind of get through that blueprint guideline that helped me to deal with my issues um, definitely made me want to help others figure out their own, you know, like path to healing. Do you mind sharing some of those experiences? Um, sure. So I guess the first, um, major blow, um, or loss came for me was a gentleman that I was dating, um, back when I was at Tuskegee University. Um, he was shot and killed um, a few days after my 21st birthday. It was during our senior year. Um, we had been dating for about nine or 10 months um, at the time that it happened. And that definitely um, rocked my world, you know, like flipped it upside down because that was at 21. I'm blessed to say, you know, like that was the first major loss that I have had. Um, because like my great grandparents, my grandparents, they were all still living, you know, and I hadn't really had to go through the grieving burial process of losing someone that close to me. Um, so that definitely, um, his life and his passing and the way that he passed away, um, that definitely, um, triggered my mental health and, um, led me down a dark road of depression. For sure, and understandably so. I remember when that happened, and um, I remember how hurt you were then, and I can tell that it still hurts you. So I'm definitely sorry that that happened and that it uh, it affects your mental health, and it's sad that things like that do um, because we know that at some point it's our time, but it, that's a part of grievance. That's For part sure. of mental health, and like you said, depression. What did you do or what are you doing to heal from that and recover um so during that time what I did was um 
I had, you know, I was a psychology major and the counseling department was closely connected to psychology because our professors essentially were the counselors in the student health services. Um, and so at the time, our dean, Dr. Joyce Roden, um, she took me under her wing. Um, she like definitely became my mom at Tuskegee my last year because BJ's passing was in September. So, you know, it was kind of right at the start of our senior year. Excuse me. So while I'm taking this woman's class, you know, like after class or sometimes before class, I would be leaving her office or going to her office um, for a counseling session. So my, I guess you could say, therapy started back in 2013. Um, she was definitely on it. She kept me together and she kept me on my toes. I mean, there was times that I was, I would miss her class just because I couldn't get out of bed and she would come to my apartment and be like, you know, let's go. And I'm like, okay, wow. I'm thinking I'm about to get in her car, you know, like save on gas for me. And no, she was like, no, you get in your car and I'll see you in class. <laughs> um, so it was that type of love and family um, that supported um, definitely the church that I attended down there, they wrapped their arms around me and helped out a lot. And, um, to this day, um, I still am in therapy. Um, just, you know, like, because I think there is no good for me to pour from an empty cup if I'm not being fulfilled. And so sometimes the issues that I'm dealing with, with the students does become a lot and it does weigh me down. So I am able to kind of, you know, like go to my therapist when I need therapy. I love that. And it's that's so important support, which we talked about before, uh, and needing somebody to talk to and not just being able to talk to them. You know that they're going to do things like come to your apartment and check on you and be there for you and push you. And not always uh, in a coddling way, they're going to get you out of bed and make you do the right. things that you don't want to do. And right. that's, um, I think for me, where I would have a hard part or a hard time balancing as a counselor is because I'm so like, let me just do this for you and let me help you do it. I want, right. you know, like that. But no, you have to push people too. And uh, that's that's beautiful that you have that in your life. And especially because it's going to and is helping you be that person for other people. And that's right. also what it's all about. Uh, what do you plan on doing next with that? Like, what do you want to do in terms of um, mental health advocacy? Down the line, I guess you could say my 10-year plan um, before I'm 40, definitely want to open up a center, um, just kind of like a, a center for students or children, teenagers more specifically, to come and release whatever traumas that they have by working with counselors. Um, kind of like on a pro bono basis, you know how the YMCA operates, um, membership, and you are able to pair up and work with counselors to help you through your issues. Um, but I definitely do want to do something outside of my professional career because that is a passion. Um, so I'm hoping that I'm able to be in a point um, financially, mentally, and emotionally to be able to um, provide that service for kids. For sure. We got to talk after this episode because I want to do something very similar. Um, but I think that we can help. I know we can help each other. I even think I know we can. Mm -hmm. so this is my last question for you. Oh, you're fine. With everything going on right now, and man, I just had a conversation <laughs> with my grandma. She, I love her to death, but she made me so mad uh -huh. because she basically <laughs> said that we shouldn't be protesting today because... MLK and all of them already did it and it basically wasn't successful so we should just accept what's going on 
So with you being a black woman and so pro-black, uh, I actually was going through my followers the other day before I deleted my personal page. And I remember that it was that page that you and Sean started. It was like 2013, 2014. It was called Just Us or something Just like us. that. Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. So you've been about it. So with you being so pro-black, you uh, have a black partner and you guys are now raising a black son. What is that like for you right now? Are you already having some like anxieties or uh, anything like that with your son? Or when Sean goes out, how do you, are you like scared or anything like that? What is your feelings right now with everything going on? Um, the anxiety definitely is heightened. Um, the interesting thing is, is, you know, we don't really go anywhere too much um, because we do have a new baby. And so like we have, um, I, when was it? I think it was Monday. Sean and I took Seven out to Grater's Ice Cream in Oakwood. And, you know, Oakwood is not too, you know, it's not really um, melanated, I guess. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> um, when we were there, you know, it's like all of these people, um, older couples, of course, they're like, oh, the baby's so cute. And, you know, this post stuck in my head where I saw this baby out protesting in one of the larger cities, you know, like, at what age do I go from being cute to being a threat? And, me being a mom, you know, like going into defense mode, I'm really not interested in, you know, like having a conversation with these people because that is honestly the reality for our young black babies. Um, you know, they go from being, oh, they're so cute, they're adorable, and this, that, and the third to, you know, Tamir Rice was only 12 and he's a threat. Um, so definitely my anxiety is higher. I feel like there is definitely a, a fire that was lit under my ass when I did find out that I was having a boy back in November. Um but I, I honestly think that with faith and family, um, being able to have those open and honest conversations with Seven in the future, I do feel good about it that um, when he is not with me, that he will know how to handle himself. Um, you know, like when it comes to law enforcement, um, you know, I took I was in law school for a year or two. So I do know essentially the laws and I do plan on educating and preparing Seven for that. You know, you know your rights so that if something is to happen and you are to have a run-in with law enforcement, you know how to handle yourself and you know, you know, what is right from wrong. Um, when it comes to Sean, definitely. Um, Sean has been having to go into work these last two weeks and it is kind of one of those things because it's like, okay, not only are we in, um, a health pandemic, but there's also the race war and I never want, you know, Sean to be in a situation seven either in the future, but I never want him to be in a situation where he feels like he has to, you know, essentially dumb down who he is to make law enforcement feel empowered in who they are. We went for a walk yesterday at Centennial Park in Oakwood and, you know, the officer, we're the only black couple out there and the officer, he drives through and he sees us and, you know, he like waves and it's kind of like that is, refreshing to see with everything that has been going on for the last several months but at the same time you know had we not been in this race war would that same friendly interaction have been or would we have been considered a threat you know so it's kind of always my mind is always going and thinking um especially since having seven i can definitely feel you because first of all it's sad that you can't fully enjoy your baby boy already right. because you have to think about that. 
and right. a 27 year old white mom who just had a baby who has a three and a half month old almost four months she's not thinking that i don't know what right. she's thinking about but it ain't that exactly um right. and that that's so so sad and uh but I pray for his protection as well. And Sean and all the black men and our family, my brother and dad. And uh, oh, I can I definitely feel you and understand that. And um, I also feel you with the police officer because I said the same thing. It's mm-hmm. kind of starting to make me uncomfortable. Yes. Um, how, you know, friendly white people being right now. Like, why y'all being yes. so nice to me? Uh, yes. But we know why, like you said, because all this stuff is going on. So... Mm-hmm. It, it can be refreshing and it does give me a sense of peace, but it also pisses me off because if George Floyd didn't die, I would still be just a nigga to y'all. Like, that's exactly. it. And I still really am. Y'all just being nice to this nigga now. That's it. Right. That's it. Exactly. And, um, and that's what I was telling Sean, you know, I don't want it to be a, they get into an altercation because we see it all the time where people are not minding their business. And then when you get caught out for the racist stuff that you do, then it goes to, well, I'm not racist because, you know, like I waved at the black man yesterday and I never want to be that person that they use as the pawn to, you know, kind of dismiss their, their behavior. Man, that's so real. Yeah. I got to like this week, really work on balancing my chakras because I have been not evil, but like, Usually I'm the first to speak. Like I'll speak to people, hold the door open for them, everything. Just put out positive energy. But lately, like I'm exhausted. Like I just want to be human. I don't want to have to go out every fucking day and be like, man, I'm black. So let me figure out how I'm going to act today. Let me, let me see if I'm going to be like an asshole and be mean to people and beat them to being an asshole. Or am I going to be nice? Like what? No, I just want to go out and be like one day. Right. And uh, my dad made me, like, super aware of that. Like, we can't take our black skin off. So every morning we wake up, like, once we are aware of that, every Mm -hmm. morning, like, that's what we think about for the rest of the day. How do I have to act in every situation? And and people who don't look like us, uh, well, white people specifically, don't have those issues. Um, Right. So, and it, it sucks because other people of color they don't really like us either but white people don't like them so Mm -hmm. it's us against everybody at the very end of the day which is beautiful because there's still more of us than it is them so that's all that matters. but we got to come together keep coming together too yes i agree jordan is there anything else that you want to say any advice you want to give you want to let us know where to purchase uh the beauty line anything like that for sure. So we are on Facebook and Instagram, Smooch Maquillage, um, S-M-O-O-C-H space, M-A-Q-U-I-L-L-A-G-E. And then our website is www.smoochmac.com, S-M-O-O-C-H-M-A-Q.com. Um, last piece of advice that I would give is with everything that's going on, um, it is okay to not be okay. Not being okay does not mean that you will forever be that way. Um, it just definitely means that you are acknowledging that there are some changes that you need to make. Um, and until you are ready to make those changes, um, life may seem like chaos to you, but it does not have to be. There is nothing wrong with asking for help. I had to learn that, um, and I don't like to depend on anybody, but asking for help is probably the best thing that you can do with everything that is going on um, in America today, and um, I definitely say keep fighting the fight, keep pushing, whatever it is that you are passionate about, keep pursuing it at full speed. 
I love man. That's beautiful. That's a book quote, boy. Thank, thank you. <laughs> for real. Thank you, Jordan, for your time. You. Um, and being patient with me too. I appreciate you. Most thank definitely. you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoyed today's episode of Speak Your Truth podcast, the only podcast dissecting the intersection of mental health and sports. I would really appreciate it if you would take the time to rate, review, and subscribe to Speak Your Truth. If you would like to give me any feedback, ask me any questions or anything else, you can find my email on my Instagram page at speakyourtruth underscore podcast. Thank you. Speak Your Truth is meant to be educational only.